What's up, everybody? This is Christianity 101, episode number four, and uh, we're about to get started. So what you're going to need is a Bible, a pen or pencil, and a notebook. Mm -hmm. So while you're grabbing those, we're just going to allow you to, uh, we're just going to play a song. Just let it play, and then uh, when it's done, we'll be ready to start the Bible study. And hopefully you have your Bible and pen and all that. That's right. Enjoy this. Well, that was a good little song, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> vibe. I like it. Yes. Vibe check. Very cool. <laughs> vibe check. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man. So we're going to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit tonight. And uh, this is the fourth installment on our Christianity 101. And uh, this is the one that um, will probably, depending on your background, if you are a um, a, if you're a seasoned Christian or been a Christian yeah. for a long time, and um, you're going to have opinions about this, and this is the probably the one episode where there's opportunity for the listener to not agree with us or to um, wholeheartedly agree with us, maybe, yeah. maybe not. And um, and I just want to say up front, that's fine. We're not trying here to convince anybody of any particular thing. In fact, uh, most of what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the ministry of the Holy Spirit um, through Scripture. Uh, we're going to just walk through from the Old Testament into the New Testament and then into the epistles as well, and then um, talk about how that might apply to us today. So 
It's going to be pretty simple, I think, but it will be lengthy. And that's why I'm glad that um, I asked you guys to get, all get a pen or a pencil <laughs> and a notebook in your Bible. So let's go ahead and start, man. Yeah. Acts 1, verses 6 through 8 is what we're going to start with that verse in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. And this is what it says. It says, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, in, you know, he talks about this word power in verse 8, which is important, and that's the word that I want to kind of start with for us. And uh, if you know, uh, if you've, <laughs> a lot of people understand this phrase, the word power in the Greek, it's the word dunamis, and it's the same word that we get our word dynamite from, which would, you know, explosive power, right? Interesting, um, Alfred Nobel discovered dynamite, <laughs> and it was stronger than anything at the world at the time, and he had asked his friend, a Greek scholar for a word that conveyed the meaning of explosive power. Hmm. And the Greek word was dunamis. And so Nobel named his invention dynamite. So he literally named the most explosive, you know, uh, element that. Uh, yeah, uh, in history at that point. Yeah. After this Greek word that is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And it's the power um, that is displayed there. And it's this is a key verse because it explains that the power of the church comes from the Holy Spirit and not from man. And that's important for us to understand. And um, God's people experience repeated fillings of the Holy Spirit as they face new opportunities and obstacles. Ordinary people were able to do extraordinary things because the Spirit of God was at work in their lives. Mm. And um, that's important. In fact, Warren Wearsby, who's a Bible commentary, he says, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not a luxury, is it is an absolute necessity. So I want to just start by saying this, that the Holy Spirit is exactly a gift, as it's promised. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit, is what Jesus said, you'll receive power. And he connects that word with receiving power with the idea of spreading of the gospel mm -hmm. to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so... The whole, you know, in that context of that verse of Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in reference that he's going to give them something that they don't have so that they can do what he needs them to do, and that is to bring the gospel to all the ends of the earth. And so we know that the work of God's ministry, the ministry of Jesus, the church, is going to largely and, and only be accomplished by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit within the church. Yeah. Can I, can I just ask a question that maybe uh, someone who is n brand new to the everything? Yeah, yeah. Christianity. Sure. Um, so just to take a step back, because we just hopped in kind of assuming people know what the Holy Spirit is. Yes. Can you just, because they're, uh, we're talking about that there's power, that something is coming from somewhere. Yeah. Uh, Jesus explicitly says calls it the holy spirit yeah um what what is the holy spirit because 
is it the power itself? Is the Holy Spirit? Uh, Great question. I don't, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit is the is one third of mm-hmm. the triune God, or some people would know that as the Trinity. So you have the Father, God the Father. You have the Son, Jesus, and you have the Holy Spirit as well. And um, I think the best example of this in Scripture um, to this isn't a, a podcast about the Trinity. It's not. Right. We're, we're not getting into that. It's extremely. That's extremely deep. But one thing that I can say is that you can see the display of the Holy Spirit um, or the Triune God in the baptism of Jesus. And uh, when Jesus was baptized, John the Baptist saw him coming, and he says, hey, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then Jesus says, you need to baptize me. And he says, ah, you should baptize me. And he goes, I need to, we need to do this like, so that I can fulfill Scripture. And John relents and baptizes him. And when he baptizes him, he comes, you have Jesus, the person standing there, the man. And then you have a voice from heaven that says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And then you have the Holy Spirit ascending and descending upon him like a dove. And so you have all three. You have the voice of the Father, you have the person of Jesus, and you have the Spirit shown by a dove. The, the dove is just a representation of the Spirit. We're told in John chapter 3 that the Spirit goes wherever it wants. Mm-hmm. It's like the wind, it blows, and no one knows where it's coming or where it's going. That's what John chapter 3 when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, he mentions, and we go over that on the very first episode of the very first um, Christianity 101 episode, we talk about that. The Holy Spirit in large is the working hand of God. And I, it's important to understand that you know Jesus had a specific mission mm-hmm. and his was to atone for the sins of the world, to give his life as a, as a sacrifice, as a perfect sacrifice. And the Spirit has a specific ministry and mission as well but the spirit has been laced through the scriptures Mm -hmm. and that's why i think it's important for us to survey a little bit in the old testament see where it's mentioned and and its purpose and kind of what it was doing and then also see how it worked in the life of jesus and then and then even afterwards so does that help answer your question at all yeah yeah no you hit on everything i wanted you to hit. oh cool yeah yeah uh more specifically that it is a uh, it's a member of the Trinity. Correct. So this is... It's uh, God. It's God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was kind of going for the, the thing that, um, you know, like you like you set up the, the episode is depending on your background or your denomination that you're coming from, there may be more emphasis on some parts of the Holy Spirit, like spiritual gifts or, you know, right. uh, more charismatics or, you know, all that stuff that we're not going to get into um, necessarily. A little, a little bit, yeah. 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 Um, but I more so meant that there's also kind of the other extreme from charismatics, and I'm not going to say anything in particular, but that um, where they almost don't even talk about the Holy Spirit right. at all. Yeah. And my, my, or my it's point, bad. Like, like we don't go there. That's right. That's bad. It's the devil. You yeah. think it's God, but it's the devil. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, my whole point is it's a member of the Trinity. It's it's. <laughs> It's not uh, in in a, in a trinity. They're all important. Like yes. it's not like the redheaded stepchild where it's like you know they're oh yeah well, I guess you're kind of here because you have to be like right. but you're you're not as important as me or, you know like it, it's not that it's it, one of the most important well, <laughs> parts of the 
It, it's not to be just kind of how it can be discarded so much. Right. And, and I'm not even talking about discarding it in terms of like spiritual gifting or anything, but just I don't think a lot of people even talk about like the role of the Holy Spirit or that uh, I think even just talking about the fact that the old the Holy Spirit is mentioned or alluded to in the Old Testament may be kind of something that Christians may, you know, even if you're, you've been a Christian for 20 years, depending on the church, you may not even be aware that right. the Holy Spirit is in the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. So there's uh this is not something to be taken lightly is my, the point that I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's God. Yeah. And um he's he's is equal in equally God as Jesus is and the Father is. So mm-hmm. there's no we wanna we wanna respect the Holy Spirit in that yeah. way. And so it's first displayed in Genesis chapter one, verse two, literally the second verse of the Bible, we get an ex- we get uh, the the spirit is mentioned. It says the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So, at the very beginning of the creation account, the spirit is demonstrated. It's shown. It's we're, it's it literally is shown in in my Bible. You know, I. I I will, and I know this is going to make some people cringe, but that's okay. I use the 1984 version of the NIV Bible um, because that's what I got saved on. I was reading that when I got saved, and it's I've read it for since 1988 when I, you know, when I got saved. So, but I also will read the New King James. I will also read the NASB, the ESV, and the NLT. Like yeah. those are the Bibles I will go to, you know. Um, and occasionally I'll. Look at other translations, just like pigeon, yeah. <laughs> the pigeon Bible. Yes, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, um, but occasionally I will just because I'm curious how they mm-hmm. how they you know took the translation and and wrote it out. But y- you can't go wrong with the original Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic. You know what I mean. So mm-hmm. there you go. But um, but my Bible has the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That spirit is a capital S. Yeah. So um, that's an important thing to note. So you see it in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And then you see it again in – and this is not like first time, second time or whatever. This is I'm just kind of showing you in different places throughout the Old Testament. Obviously, the book of Numbers is much further away from Genesis. Right. But the Spirit of God was still active and working right, and right. moving uh, throughout Genesis. But Numbers chapter 11, verses 16 and 17, it says, The Lord said to Moses – Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take of the spirit that is on you and put the spirit on them, and they will help you carry the burden of the people so that you may you will not have to carry it alone. So... Uh, just for some background on this, if you're not familiar with this story of in Numbers, um, Moses was leading the people of Israel. They were out in the desert, and um, they were beginning. They, it was beginning to real. They were beginning to realize they're going to be there for a while. <laughs> they weren't obeying God, and so they were having issues within the people. It could have been a million of them, you know, up to a million of these Israelites wandering in, in the desert. And Moses was the leader, and so they would bring all their issues to Moses. Oh. Shlomo, you know, <laughs> stole my, you know, my manna from yesterday or whatever, you know, whatever, you know. And uh, so they bring these issues and 
And Jethro, who was Moses' father-in-law, recognized that Moses was burdened. He couldn't he couldn't keep up with everything, and so he suggests to Moses to um, bring in elders. And so he brings in these seventy guys, these respected people. But God said that He was going to take His Spirit and that He put on Moses, which is a you have to understand. Moses was this is important to note, and I'm going to get more into detail on this, is that Moses was uniquely called by God for that particular task. And so he had the Spirit of God in a way that other people who loved him and feared him, feared God, did not have. Mm-hmm. And so Mo, the same Spirit he put on Moses, he was going to put on these elders so that they would have that wisdom or that discernment, whatever it was, that, that leadership quality that they needed to do that task mm-hmm. that God had for them. And so God was going to spread his Spirit out a little bit further. Um, When you get into Numbers chapter 11, verse 29, just a few verses later, it says, Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord put his spirit on them. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. And so here's what happens. Some of the guys didn't make it up to the meeting they were called to. (laughs) And they saw that these elders, these 70 elders, were anointed by God, and they were jealous that they didn't get it. And Moses actually says, he says, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that the Lord, all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. And so it's almost prophetic in that sense that Moses was looking ahead and and maybe had the burden of the spirit of God that it will, he was going to pour his spirit out on all flesh. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is the the, the parallel um, between uh, these elders and then what? Spoiler spoiler alert happens in Acts. You know, <laughs> right. like with the in the upper room in the upper room. Yeah, hundred and twenty. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's really it, it, it's uh, kind of funny, but not funny at the same time. I, I was trying to think of the right word, uh, it's, it's, but it's just echoes of. Yeah. Of you know the Bible says God is unchanging and a, he does a lot of the same stuff. A lot of the same stuff echoes back and that's why uh you know just because you're a Christian there there's stuff that's important to read in the Old Testament. We're right. not to de- completely detach from it and yeah. uh it's just cool to see that working out in those parallels that he's echoing in the future. Yeah. yeah. Definitely Zechariah 4:6 is the next verse I want to point out to you guys. And it says so he said to me This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And so um, Zechariah was being called by God uh, to go to the king, to Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, (laughs) it's a tongue twister, Uh, he was going to need the help of God to accomplish what was the task at hand. And so... Zechariah says to him, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And that's clearly an echo of Acts 1, 6 and mm-hmm. through 8, where I'm going to put my power on you mm-hmm. to go into all, like you can't do this work without my spirit. Yeah. So, um, so in the Old Testament, you see, that's just a very, very, very brief survey of some of the Old Testament where we see the Holy Spirit moving um, in into the... Uh, in the Old Testament. And then you have what I like to call, um, well, let me just read a couple other passages for you real quick on, on, before we move on. First Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, it says, concerning this salvation, 
the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. So Peter was saying, hey, look, when you look back into the Old Testament, the prophets realized they weren't serving themselves, they were serving you, a future generation. But even what they were saying was the spirit of Christ in them Mm -hmm. that was pointing to the future, point looking to the future. And he connects that with the current gospel at at that time in first peter the current gospel preaching that was empowered by the holy spirit right. to bring them hope and ex- just explain to them grace and salvation so it's definitely connected yeah you know it's a it's a stream that right. you know goes through the old and in the new testament but in the old testament in joel chapter 2 and i'm just going to kind of go through these because i don't want to spend a bunch of time just reading verses we want to sure. talk to I will pour out my spirit on, this is Joel 2.28, I'm sorry. Uh, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Thank God. <laughs> Your young men will see, see visions. That's for you. Um, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth in blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Hmm. Now, that's a pretty stacked prophecy right yeah. there. That pushes from, in my opinion, that is going to be where the very first, Joel 2.28 is Acts uh, chapter 2, hmm. when in the upper room and God pours out his Holy Spirit on all flesh, like all men, and he empowers the church. So I'll pour out my spirit on all people. That's fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. And then he goes into the future even, and he's talking about eschatology at that mm-hmm. point, and he's talking about... So his spirit is going to do these things. His spirit is going to activate the end times eschatology that we always talk about, especially on All Out War. Yeah. You know, our other podcasts, how we're talking about like the signs of the times and what we're dealing with, it's going to be a, a power, a work of His Spirit. And that's, again, capital S in my Bible. If you want to get an NIV 84, good luck. They don't make them anymore. Zondervan stopped making them because they revised it into a more woke version, which I'm disappointed in. Mm. But the NIV 84 is a reliable, in my opinion, reliable. Uh, you just can't buy it. Yeah, <laughs> You got to find it used. Or go to a uh, old uh, church. Old church. Yeah, they probably have some in the pews. Yeah. I mean, not, not that you should steal them. That's not what I'm saying. No. I'm saying you can go ask them. Or they're lost and found. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I um I found a an old pew Bible mm. in the church I was working at, and I sent it away to get a new cover on it because it was a hardback Bible yeah. and it was just like it was like a cheapy pew Bible, mm. right? But I I um liked the print size and so I have this um it's a buffalo nice. it's buffalo skinned uh it gets better with age too. Yeah. But um but yeah, the Bible, I, I was on a rampage when they stopped printing it where I bought probably six or seven. So I have like <laughs> a, I have a study Bible, I have, yeah. you know, so as these begin to die and the pages fall out, I can go send another one to get re, yeah. rebound or whatever. <laughs> I found one in a thrift store. I got to do that. I, I get it. Yeah. And they're valuable. I mean, yeah. on eBay, 
they go for money too. So maybe I can use it to pay my rent or something. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> so in the, uh, there's one more verse I want to read out of Matthew chapter three. And, and this is actually um, when uh, Jesus was, you know, uh, speaking to uh, uh, to John the Baptist. I don't know. I'm sorry. I got distracted for a second. <laughs> it's okay. It says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So uh, John the Baptist was prophesying there to mm-hmm. that, yeah, okay, I baptize you with water for repentance, but there's going to be one coming after me who I can't even tie his shoes. He's so great. And he's speaking of Messiah, Jesus, mm-hmm. and he says, he, he's going to baptize you with the Spirit and fire. So that's really interesting. So the Holy Spirit is revealed in Scripture in the Old Testament in creation first. Um, and then primarily it was used as an anointing for service of, on individuals, for, for instance, like prophets, for priests, for kings. And uh, I give the example of like Moses, um, Aaron, Elijah, Gideon, David, Solomon. Um, so the Holy Spirit was somewhat limited in the way that it was um, given to those that feared God. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for instance, David was anointed by the Holy Spirit um, to do what he did. And the Psalms talks about how he strengthened my hands to bend a, a, a bronze bow, you know, a, a bow of bronze and mm-hmm. scale walls and do mighty things. Um, you know, you see in that Zechariah verse where Zerubbabel was going to be anointed, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. So, the, Samson is probably another perfect mm-hmm. example. Samson was this amazing guy who had these great flaws, but when the Holy Spirit would come upon him, he would do mighty things. He would, you know, <laughs> defeat armies and, right. and like pull, pull down eventually. Yeah, you know, like uh, yeah, his tragic, buildings. Yeah. And stuff. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, so it would be like the Holy Spirit was limited in the way that it was um, that that God was choosing to allow his spirit to use individuals. And so it was primarily focused on whatever goal the will of God was in that moment. Um, so uh, it was unique and individualized. Right. That's probably the best way to put it. You know, in Isaiah, you know, he sees in his calling when he sees God high and lifted up and his throne and the robe, you know, the t- train of his robe. And Isaiah's first words are, I'm a man of unclean lips. Right. And so God takes a coal out of this, mm-hmm. you know, and puts it on his lips and cleanses him. And that's his anointing by the Holy Spirit to go and speak as a prophet. Mm-hmm. And he's going to, Isaiah gives us the most messianic prophecies of anybody, you yeah. know, so it's kind of cool. So in the Old Testament, as that's closing down, then you have what I call the transitional period, which is Jesus' ministry. And Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, he was walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, but it was unique to him. So in large part, during the gospel, you know, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of the of the New Testament, you don't really see other prophets still around. Right. In fact, before Jesus comes, it's what they call these 400 years of silence is what is referred to. And so as you close out the Old Testament and you enter into the New Testament, there's 400 years there that are just un- like kind of, uh, it seems like nothing's happening. Right. There's a lot happening, believe me. There, on the world stage, there was a lot happening in that mm-hmm. time. But when Jesus shows up, he's the man, he's the new, he's He's the one who's got the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And they hadn't seen it in a long time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, 
you see the Holy Spirit, or that angel comes upon John the Baptist's dad in, mm-hmm. when he's in the temple doing service and he mutes him so he can't talk until the baby's born. Right. So he can name him the name, you know, John. But um, you're not really seeing a lot happen up until that point. Now, question I just thought of. Sure. Do you think the Holy Spirit was on John the Baptist for? Yes. Before? I, I think John the Baptist, this is my opinion. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever said this before, but I think John the Baptist was the last Old Testament mm-hmm. prophet. You know, the Old Testament prophets were um, the mouthpiece of God for the people of God to keep them in line with God's will and God's right. word, and also to point to what God wanted to do, the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, prophets would show up when the nation was, you know, out of line. Yeah, hey, stop doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> quit worshiping Molech, you yeah. idiots. <laughs> you know, you're going to go into captivity. Yeah. And they did. Um, <laughs> but then they also were prophesying about the future Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, if you, like, an amazing prophetic uh, psalm that David wrote was Psalm 22. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And it's, like, detail about the uh, crucifixion of the Messiah. Hundreds of years before Crucifixion was 700 even years. Yeah. yeah, I think it was 700 years before crucifixion was even invented. Yeah. So, isn't that amazing? Yeah. But, anyways, so yeah, John the Baptist, last of the Old Testament prophets, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21, I'm just going to read this. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues. And everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue and was, and as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's epic right there. (laughs) That's a mic drop moment for Jesus. (laughs) Uh, But here's the thing. It says in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Mm. And what's important to understand about that is what, where did he come from and what happened before that? Well, what happened before that, if you look back in Scripture and you, and you take the synoptic gospels and the gospels that sync up, you'll find that Jesus was led out into the desert for 40 days where he was fasting and he was tempted by Satan. Mm-hmm. After he successfully overcame Satan and the temptations that Satan threw at him, uh, he was then uh, ministered to by angels, right. and then he came back into Galilee region where he was full of the Spirit, and he was equipped, ready to rock and roll and to do the will of the Lord. And uh, and so that's what you see happen here. He goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath, and they're reading the scrolls. And here's what's another amazing thing is that. A lot of people don't understand, but you know, Jewish synagogues were on a schedule, mm-hmm. and every synagogue is on the same schedule. So, if you go to a synagogue in New York, or you go to a synagogue in Jerusalem, or you go to a synagogue, and I'm pretty sure about this. I'm almost positive. I'm correct, 100 percent correct on this. Yeah. I could be wrong. I'm not Jew, so I don't know. But 
from what I understand, they're all on the same schedule of reading. Mm -hmm. So wherever they are in the in the scrolls or in the Old Testament, the Torah, they're all going to be in the same location. So when Jesus goes in there, that was exactly where they were in the scroll, and it's a prophecy about him. Right. <laughs> it's literally Isaiah speaking about the Messiah that's going to come. And he's like, oh, yeah, um, by the way, I just fulfilled that in your hearing. Yeah. You heard it. Yeah. And so he was like proclaiming, I mm -hmm. am Messiah. Yeah. And this is the start of the tumultuous relationship with the Jews, to say the least. He was on the radar for sure yeah. at that after that moment. And and also, too, news of him was spreading because he was doing miracles. Yeah. So there was already a buzz about Jesus. Right. And I, I just, I didn't want to stop you, but I just want to clarify something that comes from, uh, it's a heresy. There's been tons of this kind of stuff. When you said that Jesus goes out into the wilderness, he prays, he fasts, he, um, you know, tempted. tempted by the devil. Yeah. The devil takes him to all these places and shows him and offers him the world and all these things. Um, and then when he comes back, he's filled with it. That is not to say that Jesus before that, like he wasn't just a normal man Correct. who happened to do these things and then was filled of the Holy Spirit. And then that's how he did everything. It, you're correct that he was he was fully man, fully God. Yes, right. but here's the difference: um, Jesus was tempted in every way, and he overcame um, he overcame by obedience to God, submission to God. So um, it would seem as though Jesus was doing that on his own. Mm -hmm. You know, he was the second Adam. And so Adam didn't have the spirit, right? But yet he had the ability to obey God or disobey God. Right. Jesus, likewise, was in the desert being tempted, but he was obeying God clearly. And we know this because he used scripture. Mm -hmm. Every time Satan brought something to him, he would rebuke him with scripture. And so, um, but when it says that he was full of the spirit, we know later in the New Testament, and we can get into this a little bit if you want, but in the New Testament it says that his spirit be poured out on all people so that we can obey God. Right. Otherwise we can't obey him. We don't have it within us. And so Jesus actually maximized that out. Um, and he was always God before that, he, Right. but he was emptied. Right. It, it, it's kind of like... Uh, I, well, there's other verses in the Bible uh, where he goes and needs to recharge. You know, like yeah, he yeah. goes off, you know, when he's with the disciples, he'll go off to his own place and pray and yeah. do all these things. He takes a nap, you know, on the ship. Right. Uh, not saying anything about, you know, it. No. but he, he goes and kind of recharges because it's, if he's fully man, you know, that's draining. Like Jesus got tired. Like yeah. he, he's God, but he's he, he, he still, still gets tired. Yeah, he had the human human limitations right. at, at um at, for the mo most part. Right. So like tiredness, hunger, sick. We never knew he was sick. They never mentioned anything sickness, but but yeah. So it's more so like a, a different way to think of it is uh, maybe this isn't the best analogy. I'm I hope I'm not being. I'm by no means trivializing anything. Yeah. But it's like he had a, a battery and the Holy Spirit was filling him up. And then when he would perform miracles or that, yeah. the human side of him, you know, humans get tired when we do emotionally yeah. stress. Yeah, you know, you're, like you're emptied. He, he's emptied. So that's yeah. where he would get refilled. And 
it just you, you can think of him as he's the only one with a battery at that right. point. So he's he's still human, he's still God, but he's the only one that has the capacity. So he is unique. He's not just a as the the you know um, I was gonna say the Mormons. It's not the Mormons. The uh, Muslims believe he wasn't just one prophet who is or a prophet, a prophet. Yeah, um, he is God. So I, I just want to clarify because that's the, being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's di- he's different from us now. Same spirit, but, but different. Like we are not Jesus. Correct. We're not so. But Paul tells us that the same spirit right. that rose Christ from the dead dwells within us. Mm-hmm. So as a Christian, as a confessing, believing, regenerated Christian, as if, if you're born again, mm-hmm. go back and listen to episode one if you haven't, because we go into detail about what that means to be born again. It means you're born of the spirit. Mm-hmm. You have the same spirit in you that raised Christ from the dead, and it's the same spirit that was empowering him when he did his right. miracles, when he... You know, did that, and we're not getting a diluted version of the Holy Spirit. No, we're we not the same one. It's the same spirit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw someone said, I don't know where I saw this or what it, it might have been a real. Who knows? Mm. It was like you know, I'm social media. Who knows what it was? But it was somebody was like, I'm going to ask God. I can't wait to get to heaven where I can talk to Moses and different guys and ask them what it was like. You know, and they're going to say like, Well, what was it like to have the Holy Spirit right. dwelling in you? Yeah, because it was just upon them. Right. It was just upon them. It's a difference between being upon mm. you and it's like wearing a shirt um, versus having a kidney. Right. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like putting a shirt on, you have mm-hmm. it, it's upon you, but it's not in you. Right. It's right. not a part of you. Right. So it could leave mm. and come back, in which we see that. Like, you right. see different, like Elijah as in, in the Old Testament, like the Spirit of God would fall upon him mm-hmm. and then he would go and do whatever. <laughs> right. And he would receive prophecies from during prayer so the holy spirit would come upon him in prayer and and then he would hear what god wanted him to do and who he'd want him to go see and you know talk to and all that kind of stuff yeah and likewise as you were just mentioning there is a point in scripture where elijah goes and kills the all these false prophets of Baal, right. like 300 prophets right calls fire down from heaven epic moment like scripturally like that's that's like epic like historically in the yeah, world yeah. like and he goes and he gets depressed, right? Because he hears that Jezebel wants to hunt him down and kill him. Yeah, and he's like, "Dude, I would be like you. You're gonna kill me. I just killed three thousand of your prophets. Right? What do you What do you have? I called fire down from heaven. I mocked them. I said, "Oh, is your God sitting on the toilet? Right? You know." But instead, he was depressed and he was sad and he was probably empty. Yeah, as you were talking about a battery, he was probably empty, and so he had to. God had to get a hold of him again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Plus, maybe he was like, oh, I've done it now. Right. <laughs> I'm a target. <laughs> uh, so we see Jesus walked in complete power of the Holy Spirit during his three-year ministry. He functioned prophetic miracles. He taught. He preached. He had great results. Uh, and then he functioned in all of these things with just amazing uh, power and authority and it was the fullness mm. to serve not only for us to see what is capable, what he is capable of as the Holy Spirit's capable of, like raising the dead, feeding 5,000, feeding 3,000, walking on water, but also as an example of what we could expect at some mm. level as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower. And he does give the Holy Spirit to 70, it's really unique, mm-hmm. of his disciples and sends them out. 
Right. Isn't that interesting? Moses had 70 elders, right. you know? So he sends out these guys and they're anointed by the Holy Spirit as well. So that was the what I call the transitional area. So you have the Old Testament. It was unique for moments. You have the transitional, which was Jesus as an example. And then you have the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And I want to start with John chapter 20. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, the doors were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So this is interesting. So he, this is when he anoints uh, the original disciples, mm-hmm. the 12, or the 11, I should say, because Judas was probably already <laughs> dead, <laughs> hung himself. Um, but he says to them, peace be with you. I'm sending you. And then he breathes on them. Mm. And this is really interesting. And then lastly, he talks about forgiveness, which we'll get in that in a second. But he says, peace be with you. So one of the things that we have to understand is that in the New Testament, one of the trademarks of the Holy Spirit is peace. Mm. In fact, when Paul gives us the fruits of the Holy Spirit, he says it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? So he goes into these, these fruits of the Holy Spirit. And so one of the attributes of the Holy Spirit is peace. And Jesus says, peace with you. And then he says, I'm sending you. So there we go. We have a a mission, a reason for them to have the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting too. It's not like, um, like, remember he says there, he shows them his hands and his side. Mm -hmm. Do you remember there was a guy by by the name of Thomas that was like doubting? We call him Doubting Thomas. By the way, Thomas became an epic apostle. He like was, became a martyr. Um, He died a martyr's death. He was he became an incredible guy. You should do some look into his life um, and what he did in his ministry. But he shows him his hands and his side, and um, and then he doesn't he doesn't discriminate when he pours out his spirit when he breathes on him. Everybody gets breath. Everybody gets breathed on. So um, yeah, yeah. But so that was in John chapter twenty, and then you have Acts chapter eight. So we've already went over Acts 1. Mm-hmm. When he says, when it, so it says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So it, it would appear here in Acts chapter 8 that there is a mm-hmm. there is something so. distinct between salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right. And so, uh, and it would seem like that. Mm-hmm. And I believe, so, okay, so salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit, right? It is, you're given the Holy Spirit when you're regenerated, when you're born again. So you have everything you need for life and godliness mm-hmm. at salvation in Jesus Christ, right? You have everything you need, the Holy Spirit. But it would seem as though there is a another um, baptism or another, I don't know, another level. I don't know how to describe it. Sure. But it's something distinct from your salvation experience. And it says that they, 
it says that they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So um, what's interesting about this is my this is my salvation experience. My salvation experience was that n- nobody preached the gospel to me, right? but they prayed for me. And when they prayed for me, the Holy Spirit fell on me and went in me <laughs> and delivered me instantly. I knew it was God. I knew it was a work of God. And I knew Sorry. that, yeah, it's, it's all good. I knew it was God. I knew it was a work of God. And it completely changed me, like 100% changed me. Right. It was when I was reading John chapter 3 that I was then convicted mm-hmm. to to be born again. I think at that point, it was like the culmination of those two things. It was just a little different than what happened here in Acts chapter right. 8. <laughs> they heard and repented, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I was kind of thinking it, it might be the difference between uh, kind of like what you, you had just said in your story. Of a head knowledge versus a heart, a heart knowledge, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, kind of like you hear the gospel. It's like, oh, that makes sense. I'm going to repent of my sins. Yeah, but there's still now. I mean, the, actually, I take all that back because it doesn't make sense. Where I was going with it, I realized that it, it, it's there's a difference. So I have a theory. Sure. Kind of a, a, a kind of something that. So when when a person is water baptized, mm-hmm. um, they are proclaiming to the church that that they're part of the church they're proclaiming right. like hey I belong to the church I belong to the church I belong to, I belong to Jesus I'm, I'm I'm one of the family right the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when God says this person belongs to me right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know what I mean like this is evidence they belong to me mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit is in them that's how I look at it yeah and <laughs> and that's why we're supposed to be fruit inspectors Right. What yeah. what fruit are we looking for? Mm-hmm. Evidence of the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. We're looking for the Holy Spirit. So has God put his hand, has he proclaimed this person belongs to him, you know? And Yeah, that, that started getting me on this path of uh, <laughs> the thoughts that may not uh, may not be uh, screwed, I'll just say it. So <laughs> the difference between, uh, you know, eternal security. Yeah how we're talking about uh because once once you're sealed by the holy spirit right how can you unseal anything that god sealed and god says he seals you with the holy spirit correct um so the same thing like you were talking about how can you jump out of his hand right right are you able to do that or um so maybe this kind of disconnect maybe um again Maybe, I don't know, I'm just saying this, how you can see people that seem to be, that go, grow up in church, you know, um, wasn't it one of Billy Graham's, you were telling me years ago, one of Billy Graham's, like, his uh, right-hand man, right-hand man, yeah. all of a sudden is like, uh, I've never been a Christian. Right. Well, yeah, he, or he, rep- he, he walked away, quote unquote, right. walked away from the faith and, and, and people were confused and people were like, oh, so you can lose your salvation. You can give it up. You can. Right. And, but in his book, his autobiography, he confesses that he never actually ever believed it. Okay. So he never was saved. Gotcha. Gotcha. It wasn't he walked away. He just, he never believed in the first place. Sure. Okay. So that's a different. So yeah. maybe this would be how a Christian could genuinely walk away for the rest of their life that they never had that second um n- well 
Am I am I getting too convoluted into well, these details? Yeah, and it's hard to know. Only God knows those right, that are right, saved. Right, yeah. So, but Acts, uh, I'm sorry, Romans chapter ten tells us that confess with your tongue, believe in your heart mm-hmm. that Jesus Christ is Lord, and God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. Right. So the criteria is confess and believe. So if you confess it, I and then you believe it, um, that then there should be there should be fruit of that. Right, yeah. But that is the fruit of salvation. But there are people who will, <laughs> I like the phrase, you know, a saved soul but a wasted life. Mm-hmm. People that just refuse to submit to God's word even though they're saved. They're a poor example of a witness. Mm. They're, you know, God will never give up on them. Um, and um, they will die. Sometimes because of their sin, they'll die. Mm-hmm. You know, because of their un- their unwillingness to submit to God. They and they make it into heaven still smelling like smoke, yes. right? Yeah, there's that there are those verses that talk about yeah, they their their hymns of their garments smell like right. singe of smoke of hell, you know. Right. <laughs> That's how close they were living in hell, you know, to hell and life. But but yeah, so anyways, let's go, we'll go yeah, yeah, so, I don't yeah, want to get no, on no, a no, rabbit yeah, trail. Yeah, yeah. So in, in Acts chapter 8, we see that he they lay their hands on him. They are baptized and and it says um they had only been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. So they had heard of repent. Mm-hmm. You know, the baptism of water was a baptism of repentance, which is required by every person. You have to repent of your sin. You have to turn away towards away from your sin, away from your self-reliance, and towards trusting in Jesus and the work of the cross. So um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 um, Paul is writing to the church, and he says in Corinth, and he says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or another you were influenced and led astray by to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So one thing I want to point out here is that a lot of people get hung up on this, and they say, oh, um, no one can say this, you know, Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. And they think that if they only say Jesus is Lord, that like they think that that is by the Holy Spirit, so that means they must be saved. Mm. That is not what Paul is implying here. He's implying the Romans 10, what I was just saying, confess and believe. It's easy to confess, or you can believe and never confess. Mm. You need to have them both. Right. That's what Paul outlines here. And I think that's what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is talking about here. He says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit, right? And he's talking about like the actual believing and confessing, the saving faith, the actual regeneration, the being born again, that is an act of God's Holy Spirit. The the act of being born again, no man can bring that upon themselves. No person can make the, make that happen in their own by their own will. It's the will of God. And John chapter three goes into that as well. So that's what Paul's referencing there, you know, um, in in that reference. But he is talking about how the spiritual gifts are given to the church, and and Paul doesn't want. The church to be ignorant, especially in Corinth, he didn't want them to be ignorant about those things. So we find that the Holy Spirit is now given to anyone who would believe and receive. 
Okay, the primary function of the Holy Spirit is to empower the church, which is made up of individuals, to be able to live a holy life, to be a witness to a lost and dying world, and the church has been anointed for the service of God. So I want to point that out, that the church has been empowered, but the church is made up of individuals. Paul would clarify that later on when he talks about how the church is... uh, we are all living stones. So so let's talk a little bit about how does the Holy Spirit function in the life of a believer because we realized that, you know, we went through the ministry of Jesus, which mm-hmm. was a transitional period, and then we talked about how it was poured out over into the church to empower the church and 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 for acts of service and, and that Paul talks about there's gifts that are given to the to the church from the Holy Spirit uh, for service and for demonstration of the power of God. Mm -hmm. But let's talk a little bit about the function of the Holy Spirit in the life of an individual believer. Because we were talking about how, you know, the the individual stones make up uh, the building. You know, Mm -hmm. we are all living stones, as Paul would say, we are living stones to to make up the the body or the building of Christ. Right. And so in John chapter 14, uh, verses 15 through 21, it says, This is what Jesus says. He says, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. So, if you don't know uh, the Upper Room Discourse, this is during the Last Supper. Mm -hmm. John... uh, chapters, I think, 12 through 14, 15 in there, uh, Jesus is speaking, he goes, in, he goes into detail about these things. And it's the only gospel of the four that goes into detail on what happened in the upper room other than the they shared the, the, the food. Thing, yeah. yeah, and they also would expose Judas as the you know deceiver. Right. So when he's talking about the life of the Holy Spirit in a believer, there's a couple things that I want to point out there. First of all, is in verse 16, he says that I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And then he goes on to say that he lives with you and will be in you. So we're told that the the function of the Holy Spirit will be to, to help counsel us, mm-hmm. to lead us, to convict us, to show us, to minister to us as a counselor would. When I have things going on in my life, which, you know, my life's easy peasy, right? (laughs) Uh, I go to the Lord in prayer and I ask the Lord, hey, Lord, you know, I need help with this. And, you know, Lord, this is happening. Please, Lord. And I appeal to the Lord and the Holy Spirit is the one who will, you know, remind my mind of a verse, a scripture verse, or, or will encourage me or convict me. So that's the counselor uh, part of it. But he also calls it the spirit of truth. Mm -hmm. And so this is important too because there's a lot of voices Mm. that are out in the world today. There's a lot of spirits out in the world today. 
but there's only one truth. And so keeping us focused and directed in the right, you know, pointed in the right direction and moving in the right direction um, is really important. And that is what he will become. He will become the spirit of truth. So he'll lead us into all truth. So I have a question. Yeah. From a uh, maybe kind of a two-parter. Um, again, take me taking the form of a, a listener that may have this. So is this what you mean um, when, hey, I heard God, I heard the Lord speak to me? Would you say that those are the same things um, as the Holy Spirit? Would you separate them? Or is it not really a weird it's, – it's a question that doesn't really matter or there is no distinction. Um, and I guess the other follow-up is kind of maybe someone that's that's listening can say, how do I know that it is <laughs> either the voice of the Lord slash the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Um, so um, we're going to get into that a little bit. Oh, okay. Because I'm going to talk about sure, that, sure. the role of that counselor, like kind of what he's going to do. Okay. But yeah. in general of what you're saying, um, uh, yes and no. Okay. Because sometimes our own mind will think that we're hearing mm-hmm. God. And this is like whenever I'm talking to somebody and I, I blatantly know that they're what they're doing is not good. Right. It may not be like outward sin, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not helpful. It's not helpful to them. It's maybe hurt harming a relationship or something like that. And whenever someone pulls the God card, yeah, which is so annoying, they're like, mm-hmm. but God told me. Right. It's really hard for me personally to be like, no, he didn't. Right. Because number one, I don't know always. You know, I don't know the ins and outs, and I don't know, you know, this person's relationship with the Lord and, mm-hmm. and what he might be saying to them. Um, so it's always like this really double-edged sword because on part of it, you're like, no, he didn't. Like, right. oh, you're using God as your excuse to do whatever you want to do. And the other side of it is is there's been times when I've heard people say, but God, God told me to do this, and I doubted it, and mm-hmm. it was exactly what God wanted them to do, and it proved it, you know? Yeah, and maybe uh... – a good kind of uh, testing of that. Uh, a good, uh, I can't think of the thing uh, that you test against. Litmus test. A yeah. good litmus test. Uh, if someone says that. Uh, so maybe I'll say in, in this, again, this ignorant kind of character is. Uh, so would I know something if the voice that I'm claiming to hear is God? is telling me to do something that the Bible says I shouldn't do. Right, right yeah. Uh, well, that's a clear, yeah. Okay, so. Clear indicator. So you would, uh, it is fair to assume that it is not God telling you to watch porn, have sex, you know, premarital <laughs> sex, uh, cheat on your spouse. Get uh, drunk, right. Get yeah. drunk, uh, you know, do all of those things. That's, that's yeah. God is not saying that. Correct. He will never tell you to do anything that disobeys what he's already said. Right. He's called the Holy Spirit. Right. <laughs> so if he's holy and that's who he is, right. then he's not going to lead you into sin, right? He can't. Bingo. It's impossible for him to right. sin. So he would never do that. Um, but yeah, you're right. You're right about that. The litmus test truly is you start with the word of God always, mm-hmm. you know, and but it gets, it gets you know, yeah. there's, you know, like there's no place in the Bible that told me that I was supposed to marry Jen, my wife, right? you know, 26 years ago. But I knew I was supposed to ask her to marry right. me, and I knew that God gave me a green light. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there was no, there was nothing that he, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. like uh, I w- when I settled on it, 
I was like, yeah, God's. Oh yeah, you settled. Oh, I'm, when I'm I settled, tell Jen. when I settled on <laughs> that, I'd heard the Lord say it's okay. Yeah. It, it was, you know, in my mind, it was good. In my heart, it was good. It was settled. Like, Lord, is this? Are you giving me your, the green light on your will on this? You know. Um, so, anyways, let's move on. Just messing. Thanks with for you. thanks for getting me in trouble. Uh, <laughs> so, John chapter sixteen. Verses 5 through 15, he goes on to speak a little bit more. It's a couple chapters later, still in the upper room. He says, Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send you to him. I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regards to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. In regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So let's unpack that a little bit. Um, it's interesting there. He says that he's going to send the counselor once again. And he says that he will convict the world of guilt regards to sin, righteousness, and judgment. So there's some functions there that the spirit of truth is going to be uh, doing. So he will be counseling. He will be convicting. And then it says he will guide you into all truth in verse 13. So then he'll be guiding you. And it, for, verse 14, which is the most important one, it says he will bring glory to me. So the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer is ultimately going to bring glory to Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's going to point back to Jesus. It's going to magnify the person, the work, and the beauty of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so um, some of the functions of the role of the Holy Spirit in a believer are going to be, the Holy Spirit's going to be a counselor. He's going to reveal truth. He will reside in us, not just upon us, mm -hmm. you know, as he, Jesus said. He, we will see him. Now, that doesn't mean with our eyes we'll see God, but we will see the hand of God. We'll see the work of God um, through the church, through other people. Um, he will convict the world uh, according to sin, righteousness, and judgment. Uh, and he will lead us into all truth. He will teach us. In fact, Jesus goes on to say in another part um, he will, that you will have no need of a teacher mm -hmm. because my spirit will teach you all things. And so uh, it's really important to understand that the Holy Spirit is vital for a, a believer as we've tried to live for Christ and follow in what he would want us to do. Um, one thing that I would add to is that it says that the Spirit of the Holy Spirit, when he comes for the life of a believer, it says that he's not going to speak on his own. He's only going to say what, what, he's, what the Father tells him to say. Jesus said the exact same thing. Mm hmm Jesus said, he says, I only say the things my father tells me to say. I only do the things he tells me to do. In other words, I'm only doing what the father wants, the ultimate goal of the father. The Holy Spirit has the same the same exact posture and heart mm -hmm. and motive, when it with, but it's with Jesus. So um, 
it's like this mutual glorification. The right. Spirit will glorify Jesus. Jesus glorifies the Father. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, so it's this really cool um, function and standard mm-hmm. there that happens. So the Scripture seems to point to the fact that God desires us to be fruitful for Him. The best way that a, a Christian can be fruitful is to be at one with God and to be abiding in Him. John chapter 15 tells us that clearly. He says, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, I must remain in you, you must remain in me. Um, but uh, the work of the Holy Sp- of the Spirit in our lives ultimately lead to a more fruitful life. And that's where I want to just highlight Galatians chapter 5, which, and this is maybe a good litmus test for you and for me. Um, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there are no law. So, and it's not like, I know people in their mind, like mm-hmm. we talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, they're like, um, oh, here's an apple tree, here's an orange tree, here's a grapevine, here's a... It's one, it's one fruit <laughs> right? <laughs> with all of those flavors, all of those things. And so it's like, a, and I think if Christians would focus more on that in their life, like am I displaying the fruit of the Holy Spirit rather than where you were talking about at the beginning of this mm-hmm. whole podcast where it's like you get these far sides where they're, you know, oh, I want to demonstrate power of the Holy Spirit by, you know, speaking in tongues or raising the dead or whatever. Yeah. Um, if they wouldn't focus on those things but rather focus on the fruit, I think there would actually be more uh, – more of the work of the Holy Spirit being done. I think more power would be mm-hmm. released in, in that sense, you know? What's funny is, like, that's the thing that actually matters. The, these, not not to say that the others don't, but, like, on a for an individual, like, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, all, all of those, those are what, like, changes the world. Yeah. You know, like... Uh, can really impact and that's the best way to I, I was just thinking of a really stupid scenario or you know that uh say all of a sudden you you're, you're trying to convince someone that uh christianity is awesome the holy spirit you're like look at me i can speak in tongues blah, 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 blah. Or, right. you know, i'm sorry i'm not mocking it i'm just you know <laughs> you can't speak in tongues i can't so speak in gonna... tongues so that's uh, goo goo gaga poo poo pee you know like <laughs> oh wow yeah, sorry why don't you just that was that was too the far. holy spirit that was too far i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry please don't scream at me in other tongues everybody um but like if you just start doing that that may, may freak someone out and they may ask they they may ask you why are you speaking like that yeah and you can, yeah. and if you say oh it's because of Jesus they may say I want nothing to do with that that's that's weird <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. to a non believer right they may they may ask for the peace that you you know that you have inside but those kind of things what really like glorifies God and what are above all we're called our mission is to spread the gospel to all the earth. And to be witnesses of him and be reflections of right. of what Christ did, having love, like showing love to people who don't deserve it, like Jesus did, having joy and uh, you know, even when everything's going crappy yeah. around you, yeah, and you're just like, you, 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 I think joy was, is not joy is not circumstantial, right? I think people yeah. that uh, I, I know of people who have gone through tremendous, terrible stuff. And they're just like, you know, it, it, it is sad, but, you know, there's, 
I think people know these people that they just always have this sense of calmness and it's not a complacency thing of like, um, yeah, or dismissive just, or like not, not taking it seriously. It's just right. like, I, you know, I don't know what's going on, but you know, I have peace in God and it, it's supernatural peace. Yeah. And those are the kind of people that I think, um, will reflect Christ better to people. And those are the people that non-Christians seek out. How do you know if you, if you're, um, I'm not going to toot my own horn or anything like that. Cause I'm by no means perfect, but I do like, I, I, in this season of my life, the gift of peace is definitely <laughs> something that is supernatural that God knows I need. Yeah. Yeah. And there's stuff at work that like people get stressed out about. And some of it is like, based on, I can look at and go, this is not, this isn't important. Like you guys are over stressing out stuff, but you know, if if you're just that one person that has peace and people will ask you, Hey, how, how are you staying so calm during this? And you're like, it doesn't matter. What do you mean? It doesn't matter. Well, at the end, end of the day, you know, I know that God's got me throughout, throughout anything. If you just say something like that, yeah. You know, those are the people that I seek out that I that just have this sense of peace because it's what I want. Right. Yeah. And uh, so what I'm getting at is by focusing on those kind of things, those are the things that when you reflect that, I think those shine brighter than um, maybe more uh, colorful gifts. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, 100 percent. And. So and the, and you're what you're doing is without I don't know if you realize it, but you're making a difference between gifts and fruit, mm. and and there is a difference. And the gifts of the spirit that's for an, another episode we can yeah. talk about. But when you were mentioning the tongues, Paul actually goes into great detail about sure. you know when unbelievers come in, they hear someone speaking in a different tongue. They don't. They're like, what in the world's going on here? Right. It actually they, is chaotic and yeah. it's a little bit out of control. And and he calls for an orderly worship service. Mm-hmm. And so. He actually instructs if there's going to be an out loud spoken gift of the tongues that you should have an interpreter, right? right? So he has some structure put in place for the gifts, and that's a whole other episode, like I said. But but you know, with the fruit, it's it's there's a great verse. I, I wish I could remember the address. I can't remember the address, but it says, "Bear fruit in keeping with repentance." Mm. And I think this is important. I think repentance is a key to activating fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. So when you're actively turning away from sinful behavior that the Holy Spirit shows you in the first place, you actually are opening yourself up to bear fruit. Mm. And um, and I think it will bear fruit. And it shows humility. It shows submission. Mm-hmm. It shows reverence and um, obedience. You know. So I think all of those things are really vital in the life of a believer. And um, but remember John 15: Remain in me, mm-hmm. and I will remain in you for apart from me, you can do nothing. So, you know, we want to be able to bear fruit, but we can't do it apart from him. Right. You can't, you can't, and that's the whole point of when Mm -hmm. I started this whole thing, this whole episode was the reason the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the church is because there's a job to be done that we can't do ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so it's bigger than us. It's, it's going to require more, more power than we have in our intellect and our will in our physical power, it doesn't matter. It's beyond that. It's a spiritual thing, and the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to do the work. Mm-hmm. So just, just like a real quick, yeah. just outline real quick. So we start off with the word dunamis, which means power or you know dynamic. It means it's just, that's where we get our word dynamite from. 
And before Christians, the Holy, you know, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was kind of what they call para, was with us. And we get that word paramedic, right? That's where it's alongside. Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit was like alongside or on top of. And uh, But then you get into the New Testament, and it's in us. The Greek word is literally in, E-N. And, um, and so now we have this um, experience that's much deeper than just being upon us for an act of service, but it's like with us all the time. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so uh, he, so it's in, and so then you have this. Um, not only is he with and in you, but then there's this outpouring that he has, which is this word epi, which is this Greek word epi, and it's when the Holy Spirit actually overflows out of our life. And this is important because you were talking about a battery just a few minutes ago, and when a, it's there's indication that the Holy Spirit is. Um, has this ability to fill a person up, you know, and not only does it fill them up, but it flows from within them out of their life. And um, and that word baptize is the baptismo is the is a Greek word. It means to fully submerge or to be overflowed or mm-hmm. overcome. And Jesus says in in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, if any of you believes in me as the way that, as the scriptures say, out of you will flow torrents of living water or rivers of living water. And so there's this, that is, he's literally speaking of the Holy Spirit. So if we believe in him as the scriptures say, so you can, you believe and confess and you're saved, you're born again, you're a new creation, you're now applying the word of God to your life, out of you will come, the Holy Spirit will flow out of you like a river. And so it's this, like a cup, if you will. Um, you used a battery, which is a great example, but like a cup, you pour it out, and then it needs to be filled back up. So it's got to, it'll fill it back up, and then it can be poured out again. The pouring out is our way of living for God in a way that both serves and blesses the church, but also is a witness to a lost and dying world. And so that's a really important. So you have not only with us or upon us, but within us, and then overflowing from us. So it's this. Um, I just want to point that out um, because it can be missed if we if we don't. And then, um, like, what uh, a lot of questions are: What happens when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit? Like, and I think this is. It's. I want to just say this right now. If you if you've listened this far and you haven't turned it off. Um, or you're not if you're listening this far and you're disagreeing with us on a bunch of stuff, which is fine. I do believe that a person can just ask the Holy Spirit to fill them. Um, I ask for that um, almost every time when I would have to preach. Mm. Um, you know, I would spend time in the Word, studying, preparing my sermon, and all along I'm praying, you know, Lord, please help me, please use this. Um, what is this? You know, what does this mean, God? What is? How do you want me to say that? And the Holy Spirit would just like put verses on my heart or mm-hmm. connections and things like that. And even in this conversation we've been having, there's been verses that aren't, I have like seven pages of notes here in front of us that yeah. we're, we're looking at. And there's been things that I've, many things I've said that aren't even on, on the page here. So that's the Holy Spirit reminding me of verses and things to make connections. Um, that would happen regularly. And so that's, that is part of the whole thing. But I would ask the Lord, Lord, please just fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me so that I can, I can do what you want me to do, and that it will be you and not me. Because there's no point in getting 
up or serving God or trying to do anything if it's not going to be through his power Mm -hmm. and his strength. If it's on you, it's going to fail and fall short. So I just wanted to point that out. You know, you can ask for it. It's okay. Just try me. If you don't believe me, try me. Just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Right. <laughs> um, so you, when you do ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, you will receive power to be a witness for Jesus. Um, you'll have an increased power to overcome sin, uh, you know, because it's the, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead that defeated death will be dwelling in you. It can overcome sin. Right. It can overcome temptation, you know, that you have. In fact, Paul tells us that. He says, when he says, whenever any of you are tempted in any way, God always provides a way out, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, I like to say when, well, when sin comes in the front door, you can go out the back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> so he provides a way out. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we receive, you know, our relationship with God is more alive and vital because as you begin to read the Bible, Verses begin to make sense because the Holy Spirit is actually in you, teaching you uh, the truth and helping lead you into all truth. Um, and uh, we receive spiritual gifts for the church. It's to serve the church, and um, that's a whole nother, you know, podcast episode which we could talk about. Maybe we will do. Um, so the, these things I think are really important. I think that um, I think a big part of the church today is lacking in this area. They've mm-hmm. neglected. Uh, the Holy Spirit part of the Trinity, and um, I think there's good reason. I think there's been a knee-jerk reaction in some churches where they've seen it done poorly, and so they're embarrassed of that, and they don't want to become a carnival or a circus in their churches. But at the same time, as you were and you said this, you know, at the same time, you can go the other direction where you can literally just hamstring um, God's Spirit by unbelief and fear and rather than trusting god that he's more than capable to do what he wants and you know how he can uh, do what he needs to do uh, i just wanted to end there's one verse i want to read out of hebrews and then um a small thing i want to mention and then um we can whatever you, you yeah. want to share too so hebrews chapter 2 this is the last verse that i'm going to read we must pay more careful attention therefore to what we have heard so that we do not drift away For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its its just judgment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. And this is the important verse. God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So I, you know, that's just a little mm-hmm. verse in Hebrews, but it actually points to the fact that God has given gifts to the church by the Holy Spirit according to His will, who He wants, how He wants, and uh, where He wants them. And uh, I think it's important for us to keep that in mind. But um, you know, my wife and I watched the movie Jesus Revolution mm. last night. We watched it, and um, some of, some of our listeners know that I was actually a part of. Uh, I was saved because of the result of this movement of God, this revival right. that happened through these hippies in the late 60s and in early 70s. And um, the church that I was actually found Christ in was a church called Vineyard, which was an, a, it kind of sprung out of 
the Calvary Chapel churches, but the Jesus Revolution is about the Calvary Chapel churches, which mm -hmm. I ended up being a pastor in a Calvary Chapel church for 13 years. So I'm really close, like right. I was really paying attention to the movie. Yeah. And it's not a biography by any stretch. It's, it's a, it's, um, it has elements of the actual story, but it's not, you know, exact, um, which is fine. They took artistic liberties. Yeah. But it's a really great movie. And the whole kind of, um, one of the main themes of the movie is that this is something that God's doing, mm. not man. We could never do this, you know? And it, what it was is, and I'm, I'm saying this for a reason, is like they, the whole idea was this pastor named Chuck, he allowed hippies to come into his church and it actually, people left the church because of it because they were, you know, gre grimy, greasy and weird and, you know, barefoot. And they just weren't like that. And so they were, they left, they were uncomfortable. But because he was willing to extend and open the doors, then God just exploded it. And uh, more and more people came and more and more, more and more people got saved. And um, and it became this movement that is still existing to today. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but it all became, it all happened because it was greater than any man, which is what they stress in the movie. And it was out of obedience, mm -hmm. willingness to trust God and, you know, do that. Open the doors, you know, to let them in. And I just think that that's, an, that's a great way to live. Yeah. I think we should be, that should be our heart and posture. And you'd be surprised. God will put you in uncomfortable mm -hmm. spots, you know, if you're willing, <laughs> you know, if you're willing. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's about all I have to say, man. Yeah. Uh, I can't. There, there's something, uh, the only thing I can think of that has kind of been lingering for a couple minutes uh, is... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way how to phrase it. Yeah. But the, I guess in, 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 in dealing with the Holy Spirit and uh, striving, I don't know if striving for fruits or um, doing the will of God. Uh, it, it's just this, I, this phrase that keeps popping in my head <laughs> is deeper levels of surrender. Yeah. Like the longer that I walk with it, that's why I've been trying to figure out how to properly uh, put that phrase into it. So I, I guess the um, longer that I you know walk with God or the, the more fruit that, uh, like the more, how about I'll say it like this, the times where I get more peace of stuff is usually when everything around me is burning down. <laughs> it's not like right. I don't have peace when everything's good. I usually... <laughs> um, that's when I, just me as a person, I am anxious. I'm like, I am waiting for something to happen. <laughs> I am not enjoying when there's peace. And I mean, quite frankly, there's always something going on in my life. Right, yeah, like, right, and I think yeah. that's true of most people. Yeah. But the, the times where I get the most peace and the most, uh, patience and kindness for other people and, uh, tolerance of, uh, the stuff going on in my life, you know, outside, people, places, and things, things I can't control is more when I'm just, the more that I give up. And the walk with God for me has been uh, letting the Holy Spirit into other areas of life where yeah. it's like, okay, God, you know, I'll turn my will and my life over to you. I accept Jesus. You know, I, I do the basic confession of faith and I believe it. And, you know, I, yeah. I think I have fruit, so, um, you know, I firmly believe this, but there's always this struggle of, like, 
okay, God, I can give up uh, my career or I can give up relationships or I can give up finances for this thing, but I, I still want to hold on to the finances of this thing or right, I want to yeah. hold on to this thing or, you know, yeah. I'll give up half of these or and I'll take it back and I'll give you this one and like try to barter with the Holy Spirit, you know, like yeah. with this God. The more and that kind of I want to hold on to this, so I'll give up this and that that's where like a lot of stress or this uneasiness comes from is that struggle of uh, not just giving up everything. And I'm by no means perfect. I'm, by my, right. no means. Yeah, yeah. But, no one is. Right. Yeah, we're all we're all on the same page. Yeah, right? yeah, okay. But in that piece of completely giving up more and more and more and more of my life, that's where I start to get more. It's like I have to make up, uh, make space for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's like if, uh, yeah, if I'm just carrying around, you know, a bunch of crap. Yeah. You know, I, I need to give up some of that so I can carry something. And Jesus says, you know, give up the uh, your the yoke that you're carrying and carry mine. It's easier. It's lighter. You right. Know? That's <laughs> like, right. Um, and so that's what a lot of it is. But that deeper levels of surrender is always something uh, that I think is a constant in a believer that's actually, you know, doing the things. And I think that in my life, speaking for myself, that is where the really cool miracle st- stuff happens. Yeah where I keep giving up more of it. And I'll just, to even take a step back more of that, I am not trying to infer that, like, me giving up. Sometimes I give up stuff because God is yanking it from my fingers, and I am holding on with everything to kind of give it up. You know what I mean? So um, I, it, it's not something that comes easy to me, but that's where the peace that I, yeah. I, that I think the Holy Spirit really shines is, when I finally let go of my death grip on something, right, and hand you know hand it over, that's that's that's. I think I honor. Uh, I, I want these to be evergreen episodes, so I don't want yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want to reference our Instagram account because. Oh, you know, but I, I put something on our story, and it was actually from my devotional that morning with Oswald Chambers. Um, uh, so good, my utmost for his highest. I mean, that it's a brilliant devotional, yeah, yeah. and I love it. I've used it ever since I got saved. Mm-hmm. You know, but um. It basically, the the gist of it was that if you're willing, like God, God's never going to ask you or put you in a position that He's asking you to do something that He's not going to empower you to do mm-hmm. to accomplish. So, in other words, it's it's his, if it's His will, then He's going to give you what you need to accomplish mm-hmm. it. I mean, that's how gracious God is with us. Right. So, and and when it comes to, in particular, when it comes to being more holy, mm-hmm. He's especially more gracious and wants to give us that now it might feel it might not feel like it mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is true it is true yeah so well that's awesome man i think um i think we've kind of covered a i mean it's been an hour and a half almost <laughs> uh, i think there's so much more i know that this topic is we're just scratching the surface mm-hmm. there's so many more things that to, could be said but that probably will have to wait for future episodes and yeah um but uh I want to encourage any listener, if you've never asked to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Just ask Him to come into your life in a greater way, to fill you up, and to um, to help you as you live for Him. And uh, I would just encourage you to do that. Test me. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just repeating the Word of God. Yeah, so. yeah. 
Well, thank you guys for listening. And uh, I guess we'll just play that song again. I like that song so much sure. that we played at the beginning. We'll just play it on the way out. So Sounds en- good to me. Enjoy it. Bye. Bye. <laughs>